there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Music to My Ears podcast, brought to you by BBC Music Magazine, the world's best-selling classical music monthly. This week, reviews editor Michael Beek sits down with professional boxer and classically trained bassoonist Hannah Rankin. Hannah talks about dividing her time between sport and music, performing in the boxing ring and on the concert stage, teaching, the perfect music to train to, and some of her favourite works to both play and listen to. You're, you're Scotland's first female world champion, which is amazing. But you're also probably Dragon the world's first and only boxing bassoonist. <laughs> yes, actually, I think I am, like professionally anyway. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, strange claim to fame. <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I love this idea of these these two passions being pursued sort of at the same time in, in many respects. But is it at the same time? I mean, are you able to do both and pursue both? So, yes, I am. Uh, what I do try to do, depending on the level of the fights, I mean, as I've got further on in my boxing career and obviously fighting for world titles, I'm at a much higher level than when I started off. So um, if I go into a training camp for a world title fight, for example, that's 10 weeks. And pretty much halfway through at the latest, I, I will stop having any sort of music commitments mm. and I won't do any more teaching as such um, because obviously when you're teaching children and then you're focusing on getting ready for a fight, those are two very different mental outlooks <laughs> on things. So I, I, I like to be in um, sort of a really positive sort of headspace and, you know, excitable. And when I'm trying to cut weight and uh, get ready for a fight, I'm not that kind of that happy when I want <laughs> to go do teaching. So I don't want to do it at the same time. No, no. And, and, and tell me about sort of way back, what came first? Was it a sport? Was it sport? Was it music? Always music. Always yeah. music. Yeah. So um, my granddad was a music teacher before he became a head teacher. Oh, wow. And my mum and her two sisters were very musical. Um, my older aunt, uh, she went to study violin and piano at the World Academy of Music. And um, my mum has always played. She played the piano, the cello and the French horn. Wow. Um, so as children, it, we were encouraged to, like, we were, I was sitting on my mum's knee at the piano when I was born, basically. Yeah. You know? So um, music's always been a huge part of the family and just uh, something that's always really brought us together. So I don't think it's too surprising that I went into a musical career. Um, my two, my mum and dad had the farm, had the farm in Scotland um, and my two sisters went down the farming route, but I was never going to be a farmer. <laughs> 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 and, and, and what's your obviously sitting at the piano with your mum as a, as a baby but what's your first sort of memory of enjoying a piece of music I mean do you re remember that that moment yeah so when we were we were all born very quite close together my mum had like you know three of us almost under the age of three um when she was really young so wow. um yeah no I think like there was always music in the car and uh, I think one of my fondest memories is my mum trying to get my dad to join in with some singing. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So, you know, uh, we, we would sing... Uh, when you're very little, do you remember my grandfather's clock? Yes. <laughs> yes. So my mum, because my dad's never been an amazing singer. He's been, he's really good at two songs. Um, <laughs> if I were a rich man, nice. crazily enough. Um, good song. And <laughs> also uh, Summertime. My dad always, I loved to listen to him sing those because he always had his own take on them. But <laughs> yeah, my mum tried to get my dad to sing my grandfather's clock in the car when we were children. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was one of those singers who only knew the first, like the a few words of the same songs and <laughs> would make up the rest. <laughs> My dad is exactly the same. Um, Kaiser Chiefs, Ruby. All he knows is the word Ruby. <laughs> it's a dad thing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And uh, in terms of recorded music, was there anything that you that struck you as a child that you you heard? Was it was recorded music played in, in classical music terms? So the aunt that I mentioned that did violin and piano, she's uh, married to my Uncle Paul, mm. and he is actually a conductor with the Birmingham Royal Ballet. Oh, wow. Um, so when we were really young, we actually received a video cassette, t- like a videotape um, of my uncle conducting, and it was the ballet on stage. Mm. So I remember uh, Peter and the Wolf yeah. as being something that I watched from quite a young age, and also Fantasia. I was obsessed with Fantasia wow. as a kid. Yes. Um, Probably still quite obsessed with it as an really? adult. Uh, it's always one of those ones that stuck with me. Yeah. And funnily enough, I loved the Sorcerer's Apprentice part. And it, that's I actually came on to playing that late, much later in my life. Right. Um, and I had a horrible realisation when I played it on the bassoon um, that actually it's in four flats and it's not the easiest thing to play ever at all. <laughs> but my childhood memory made it something that must be easy. And <laughs> I remember getting to it thinking, oh, this is hard as I thought. <laughs> I rewatched Fantasia a couple of months ago because I just hadn't seen it for a long, long time. And it is still spectacular, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I think it's probably because it's Mickey Mouse, but yeah, I remember just loving the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment and just being terrified at just about everything else for some reason. <laughs> and I had friends that found Fantasia actually really scary. I think it was the dinosaur part that they found yeah, really scary. Yeah, and there's the Night on Bold um, Mountain bit as well with the, yeah, the sort of the right devil. Part. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty frightening. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And so, so at school, learning instruments, you started with the flute, did you say? Yes. Yeah, so we actually, all three of us started on the piano when we were younger. Okay. But um, my sister Emma had natural aptitude for the piano. She just, she never used to practice, drive my mum mad, and then used to go to the lessons. Whereas I didn't practice enough and I uh, was not naturally gifted on the piano. Um, and at the time we were doing taekwondo lessons as well as piano. And uh, my mum said, well, you can do one or the other, because if you're not going to practice the piano, I'm not going to pay for your piano lessons. And I was like, oh, taekwondo is cooler. I'm doing that anyway. <laughs> um, so I dingied the piano quite quickly. <laughs> um, and But yes, I came back to the flute when I was maybe 11. Right. Ten, no, 10, 10 mm-hmm. or 11. And um, yeah, it was my first sort of instrument. And it was because my two sisters wanted to do string instruments and I was like I'm not doing string instruments so I went with uh, the flute yeah yeah to be different and actually really good decision because it got me into orchestral playing playing in ensemble playing basically mm. um and I really really enjoyed it yeah. and and 
it's quite interesting. So there was all, already then a duality of kind of you know, taekwondo and learning learning instruments. So yeah, tell me about sort of when boxing sort of appeared for you and became something you were. Actually, in. so when I decided, because obviously I went from flute to bassoon, and bassoon started around the age of fifteen, mm. and that's when I decided I was going to. I was one hundred percent sure I wanted to go into a musical career. It was just the instrument for me. Um, and probably I stopped doing taekwondo around the age of 12 because my mom was like, you can't do music and taekwondo. She was terrified for my hands and my, my mouth and stuff. And also school was getting really busy at the time. So I kind of, uh, I gave it up then, but I regret that because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic, but it was, I was more focused on my school and music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't come back to a combat sport until my early twenties right. when I was finishing my undergraduate at the conservatoire in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get fit again. And I really, really don't like the normal gym. I find it very boring. Uh, so I went back to combat classes and I started doing some Thai boxing um, and circuit training to keep it and ent- like entertain myself. Mm. Um, and then when I moved to London to do my master's at the World Academy of Music, um, I got introduced to boxing uh, at gym box when I was doing some Thai boxing. Mm. And actually, I fell in love with it at the time. So it was very late, very very late started to the sport. Yeah, but but fascinating. And so and and then you realised it was you were good at it. The two mm-hmm. so was somebody there that you know beside you saying you, you can do this. Why don't you consider? You know. So um, when over. I when I started doing it, I actually met my coach, who I still have now, Noel Callum, mm. and also uh, Derek Sweet D Williams, who's a former heavyweight boxer, um, and they both inspired me in the sport at the time. And um, I wanted to kind of you know, see all the stuff I was learning in fitness classes, if I could actually do anything with it. Yeah. And I went on to do some white collar fights to raise money for charity. Right. Um, at the same time, uh, when I first actually got into boxing, when I first moved to London, um, my mum, unfortunately, got diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And um, unfortunately, it was a very rapid decline. And six months later, she passed away. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Um, it was awful. So she's never actually seen me box. Wow. She never saw me box. Um and actually, I think I was kind of dragged in, uh, like kind of drawn into the boxing world even more because it was something that wasn't associated with my mum, whereas music was massively associated sure. with that. And I was trying to study and, you know, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually having a bit of a the boxing family at the gym and somewhere where I could tire myself out so I couldn't think about everything yeah. meant that uh, boxing became a massive sort of, it was kind of there for me in a very, very difficult time and helped me get through a, a grieving situation and it was just it was just there for me so I feel like that kind of what pushed me further into the sport because I wanted to give back to what to something that had given something to me when I was really in need yeah um and I think that's probably why I've got to where I am now because mm. I'm super dedicated and obsessed with achieving as best I can in it mm, so it became a real outlet yeah it was definitely an outlet and, and real support for me yeah. actually yeah so they and my team inspired me and when I thought, when I did enough white qualifies, um, my coach was like, right, you can go down the amateur route, go to an amateur gym. <laughs> he tried to get rid of me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to stay with my team. So we, we went down the professional route and I found that even though the first spar I had with a professional fighter, it was horribly hard. Okay. <laughs> I mean, definitely came out with a few bumps and bruises, but I was determined to get back in and learn how to do it better so I could be better the next time. Um, and my coach really, he liked that attitude of mine and the way that I just, yeah, I'm driven with stuff. So 
yeah, we have a very similar mindset. So, mm. yeah, it's it where it all started. Oh, I see, I see. And does music ever sort of collide with this? I mean, have you got a, have you got a theme tune as a, as a fighter when you come out to the ring? I mean, or, or do you use specific music when you're training? Does it ever join up in any way? Music is a massive part of actually my boxing training. When I first started, mm. um, when I couldn't figure out combinations, my coach used to say, put it to a rhythm in your head. Right something that you can associate to it because yeah. uh, I can't tell you how many quavers or crotchets or whatever he used to say <laughs> he was like you, you just put it into a rhythm in your head and it, it massively helps and boxing is akin very much to dance you know it's so fluid and the rhythm is a huge huge part of it yeah. so it plays a, a massive part and um yeah I, I listen to lots of music but I don't listen to classical music when I'm boxing because I have very different emotional attachments to classical music sure. that and some of it's um personal some of it's kind of like sort of really my my heart is attached to that so like when I'm focusing on uh, boxing I want to be kind of calm cool focused mm-hmm. so uh, I listen to different kinds of music just popular yeah. music really. you've got a, a go-to first track when you want to get get sort of you know pepped up for, for training yeah i mean uh roy jones jr mm-hmm. can't be touched <laughs> is uh, one of my favorites yeah. as i've had that as a walkout tune a couple Have of you? times yeah yeah um always if you want to listen to some rocky that's always great as well <laughs> i was listening to some <laughs> rocky, rocky earlier honestly i genuinely was playing some rocky earlier <laughs> you can't help but feel pepped it's up it's so like. cool it's so cool and some great songs in those films as well So in terms of like your, your what did you call it your entrance music your uh, it's your walkout walk music. music wow okay have you have you ever gone uh, classical or fanfare for that or is that a, that maybe down the line you might uh... <laughs> do you know so many people say oh could you not play it walkout I was like no <laughs> I can't do that <laughs> but um, there are some great kind of crossover pieces which include some fantastic classical music that I would potentially use later on there's been um, suggestions of using obviously the pipes uh, being Scottish uh, so I want to save that for a big moment you know so there's music plays a big part Uh, the walkout has to be right Um, and I actually for my world title fight I worked with a guy called Ransom F.A. Mm. who's one of Scotland's top grime artists and he actually wrote me a piece for a walkout and he uh, emceed me to the ring, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was cool to cross my two worlds over, yeah. you know, and and give him an opportunity. And it was on the BBC. Oh, it was great. It was really oh, good. I love it. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. And going back to the bassoon, what was it about the bassoon that that struck you? Going from flute to bassoon. I mean, uh, when I was learning music at school, I mean, such an instrument wasn't on offer. Was it offered at school or was it just something you sought out? So I went to Hermitage Academy in Helensboro, which is just a state school. Mm. And um, But we had a very, very strong music department. Um, it was led by Mr. Pullen at the time. And he was somebody who was so excitable and so really into what he was doing. And like I used to love being there because there was lots of energy in the department. Um, obviously, it was my passion as well. But we had all the instruments. But we didn't have a bassoon. And a really lovely lady donated 
a bassoon because she was outraged that our good orchestra didn't have one. <laughs> um, she should be. I <laughs> <laughs> was amazing. I know what a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, but when it arrived, we were talking about oh, who's going to play it. And I was one of, I don't know how many flute players in school. Like there were so many flutes and so many violinists. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, what's this? And I just loved it because it was different and it was something new. And when I picked it up and played it for the first time, I had a go at it. I knew, I just knew that was the instrument for me. Um, but it's definitely a characteristic of mine to take the, the slightly different path and do the different yeah. things because I like to be a bit different, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm, yeah. That's brilliant. What was the, what, what's your favourite piece of bassoon music to either hear or play? Oh, it's <laughs> oh, difficult. So I have a really strong attachment to the piano solo de concert um for bassoon and piano um i've played it for a lot of uh, important auditions and things at, at the academy and stuff and I, it just really is one of those pieces that i love and every time i go back to it i really just enjoy playing it um it's a great piece of french repertoire you know they they wrote some fantastic uh, test pieces for us from the paris conservatoire right. so um yeah it's one of those ones where i just have a real love for it Definitely. She's on par with the Mozart bassoon concerto, but that's a real love-hate relationship. Is it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think every bassoonist would say the same thing. Um, you First of all, you start out not liking it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so hard to play as an amateur when you start right. out. And then when you get more, like, you know, further up the levels and things, and it will be the piece that you play for every single audition for the rest of your life. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to learn to kind of love it and find a way to love mm-hmm. it. And... Uh, I remember when that turning point happened and I suddenly thought, no, I really, I love this piece. I really love this. Tell me about music now for you. Obviously, boxing is a focus, but where where are your outlets now for music? You teach, you said, and are you are you, mm-hmm. are you playing, still playing, and able to get out there and do some bits and bobs? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, this last year has been a bit of a nightmare because mm. there's been no performing yeah. at all. Um, and actually, I have missed it so much. I've been very busy with my boxing career, and things have been progressing really amazingly, yeah. and things like that. But I just realised oh, I'm missing being on stage and missing being in front of an audience and just having that kind of connection with a group of players and the buzz, you know, when you perform, um, I was missing that. And my quintet, I have a quintet, the Coriolis quintet. And we had our first performance together uh, last week. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Last Wednesday. That must have been amazing. Yeah. It was. And, you know, we were so excited in rehearsals and we were just like really buzzing to see each other. And the music had a whole new life to it because 
it was kind of like we've been held back from playing it for so yeah. long. Um, we were doing a concert for live music now, and uh, they do con- they it was uh, broadcast online uh, to uh, a care home, uh, Denville Hall. Uh, it's actually a care home for entertainment uh, people from the entertainment uh, really? industry. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was really nice, and we actually got to use the St Pancras Clock Tower as our place for showing oh. it, and it was amazing because you could see everything outside. Yeah. It's such a cool venue. So yeah, it was just really great to play, and that's probably one of my main outlets. We go to care normally, go into care I homes, see. go into schools, and we do interactive concerts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I really really missed that. And when we first went into the lockdown, and there was all the problems for care homes and. I just felt so sad because that's somewhere that we normally spend quite a bit of time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that really hit me I quite bet. hard. I yes, bet. They've had an especially rough time through it all, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and tell me about your teaching. I have a few uh, private bassoon students, okay. um, one of which I'm very proud of, actually. He's just got into the junior college. Um, so I'm really, really pleased. Uh, he's just so into his music, his second study organ. Um very proud of all the hard work he's done all the way through lockdown um, and to get in on a recorded, like obviously recorded interview online. Uh, I was really proud mm. of him. Um, but yeah, I also teach flute and clarinet. I have my um, LRAM teaching certificate from the World Academy of Music. So I also teach those at various schools as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I love teaching. It's, um, I find it to be like a fun puzzle, really? you know? Uh, yeah. Especially in boxing and in music, you know, it's great to figure out what makes people tick and how people learn. And I think that's the fun part of teaching, you know, especially kids, kids are really honest and straight down the line. <laughs> They'll tell you exactly what they oh, do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> tell me about, tell me about concert going. I mean, do you have time to, when you could <laughs> go to, to concerts? I mean, do you go to classical concerts or do you just so busy with, with everything else that you can't? No, I, I do love to go to concerts. Um, you know, I haven't been to one in a long mm. time now, but I'm a massive opera fan. Are you? So, yeah, I really, really love the repertoire. As a bassoonist, we have some amazing solos. <laughs> um, and I've played in some amazing operas okay. as well, ones which will always stick with me forever wow. and ever. Um, but, yeah, opera is my real passion. So I'm looking forward to the Opera House opening up or the Coliseum and get down to go and see some you know, live performance. Yes, oh, we all are, aren't we? I mean, it's just been such a long time. Uh, tell me about your opera playing. What, what, what's what been the most amazing to, to perform in? So uh, I did Eugene Onyegin when I was at the Academy mm. and I'm a big Tchaikovsky mm. fan. Um, and it just, it was one of the best pieces that I'd done in opera and the magic of being in the pit and and Lenski's aria. And I was just so many parts about it, which are just magical. Mm. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite like times in the pit. Um, I also got to do, uh, what's it called? Um, Hansel and Gretel. And I think Hansel and Gretel is like the opera version of like the magic, but at Christmas, you know, when, you know, instead of going to the pantomime, you go to see Hansel and Gretel. It's like that kind of opera that is sort of open to the public. I would say the most. Okay. I get it. Also, the second bassoon starts off the whole overture. It's a big moment.
as a great piece. And actually, I've got a, an arrangement for a wind quintet of Hansel and Gretel. Um, and we did it in performance. And I actually had to be the narrator. Oh, wow. So I had to do all the characters. Oh, gosh, exciting. Uh, yeah, no, it was really, really good. Uh, it really transcribed well to a quintet setup, actually. Mm. Um, so those ones. And then um, I did Swan Lake with the St. Petersburg Ballet Theatre. We did a whole run of that at the Coliseum. Right. I was playing principal bassoon and that was an experience in itself because firstly I could play in the Coliseum in the pit all day every day for the rest of my (laughs) life it's like such a perfect place to play the acoustic is so good and you just feel you don't feel on your own at any point it's just this nice place to play interesting um yeah and uh the conductor was Russian um and he didn't speak much Hmm. English so he shouted a lot <laughs> and I was thinking I really hope I understand what like I kind of get the gist of what he's saying um but we did it like some you know sometimes with the Russian orchestras they do it their own in kind of like uh, different tempos and the way that they yep. play is just very different to over here and there were so many differences um and this is a really beautiful moment where the principal bassoon and the lead violinist the lead violinist has a huge solo and I'm kind of uh, playing along with him at the time and it was yeah very exciting wow what a lovely moment I, you almost can't imagine that a, an orchestra pit would ever have a good acoustic for some reason it just wouldn't... do you know what you just felt like sometimes as a musician you tend to judge places particularly on how you feel when you play right. there so like obviously playing in a church everything can be quite soft and mm. round you know you don't have to worry about feeling on your own but sometimes you can go into a concert hall and you literally feel like you're sitting here in a whole orchestra and you might as well have earmuffs on really? because the people beside you, you can't hear it that well. And it's just not a nice experience because you feel like you're so loud all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it is very much about the kind of the acoustic and how it responds to you when you're playing, which makes a difference when you're performing. Yeah, yeah. And and going going to concerts, have you had, is there a memorable concert experience that you can recall with from any time in your, your past that you've been to see? Actually, a really hmm. weird one, but uh, when I was in Edinburgh, um, I went to go and see a Russian choir sing oh. mm-hmm. there. And they had, do you know that you get those really, really low Russian basses? Yes, amazing yeah, sound. So it, it was amazing, like so yep. low. <laughs> it feels just like vibrations. Um, I remember hearing them perform in Edinburgh and actually that left me with a sort of, I just couldn't, yeah, it was just so exciting. Right. And I left the concert feeling just like very privileged to have heard them mm. sing because it was something special, a little bit different to what we've heard over here. I think that's the thing about Russian music that I love. It it can really evoke sort of that, I don't know, real pain and anguish and heartfelt loss yes. that sometimes we don't have here because, they, you know, from, from the Russian, from their background and their history and stuff, it's just something that is just, inbred like in building yes, them is what absolutely. Yeah. It sort of permeates it doesn't it totally it's a really like can be quite dark and but solemn and longing mm-hmm. it's just yeah, yeah really cool and the one that made me decide i wanted to be a musician though i hadn't decided what how i was going to do it uh i went to see uh maxine bengroff play my mum took us to see him perform at the concert hall in glasgow yeah. and i remember thinking this guy is amazing like just watching him play and perform, I was like, I want to do that. Really? I want to be on stage and be able to like control an audience like this. Like that would be, he was just such, he's so flamboyant and amazing. I think he was playing the 
uh, Hungarian dancers. Okay. And it's just like so exciting and extravagant. And well, <laughs> what a lovely experience so, to have. Be taken there to yeah. see that. Tell me about uh, the future and, and what, what you sort of see ahead. Obviously, that's difficult. I know we haven't got a crystal ball, but is it always going to be a sort of a, a dual duality? Or do you think you'll sort of settle into music beyond boxing or vice versa? Well, I think boxing's uh, a finite mm-hmm. career. You know, obviously, as a professional athlete, I can't go forever and ever and ever. Um, I haven't got a, an end date on these things or when I'm planning on it, because I think if you put an end date on something like that, then you, yeah, you you kind of work towards that date. I think that's subconsciously. So yeah, there's no end date on it. Um, I fully expect myself to be involved in the boxing world forever now. Um, I would love to do some commentary. Uh, I'd love to become a female commentator just uh, and mix it up a little bit because there's a lot more women getting involved in sport. So that's something I quite Mm -hmm. like to do. Um, But music is something that will always be there for me, I think. It's not something that you get too old to no. do really <laughs> or to enjoy or experience. Yeah. So um, I imagine as I get older, it'll be something that I do a lot more of. Um, but at the moment, whilst I'm young and I've got these options of boxing, these are where my main focus is Absolutely. at the moment. Well, why not? But very canny to get it under your belt, as it were, <laughs> uh, before yes. you sort of went went pro. So great. The, the opportunities are sort of endless for both, really, which is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, one final thing. And tell me, is there a piece of music you can't live without? Is there something that just really means something to you? Oh, I have a few Yeah, I bet. Uh, um, I think it probably has to be... The Hebrides Overture. And I don't think it's probably my most favourite piece Mm. or anything, but it was one of the first pieces that I performed in orchestra with my mum. Oh, wow. And and also my sisters at the same time. Oh, wow, exciting. Yeah, we went to our local orchestra. It was was called the Helensburg Saturday Orchestra Mm. at the time. And I remember learning that piece and uh, my mom performing and to play with her. And it was one of those things that will always stick with me. And I find that piece to be greatly calming mm. as well. So it used to be the thing I listened to before I went to do my auditions. Okay. So just calm myself before an audition and put my head in the zone, the music zone and kind of let my imagination go a little bit wild. Um, and yeah, I think I probably, I couldn't live without having access to that piece ever mm. again um, because it's definitely a, uh, something I will I have fond memories yeah. of um and personal attachments and then also it's a great sort of it's calming I find it calming
That's lovely. And it's, that's quite, I love the fact that you use it to calm yourself for audition. Totally opposite to what you might listen to before a, a boxing match. Oh, yeah. No, I would to <laughs> you don't want to calm down before boxing. boxing. No, no. Brilliant stuff. Well, Hannah, thanks so much. It's been delightful to chat to you. And uh, best oh, of luck you. with well both your endeavours. <laughs> and maybe we'll see you thank again you soon. Thanks so much. That was Hannah Rankin on making it as a professional in the ring as a boxer and on the concert stage as a bassoonist. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the team at BBC Music Magazine. Do let us know what you think of the podcast by rating and reviewing it wherever you've been listening. If you want to find out more about BBC Music Magazine, we're available in print and various digital formats across the world. Or you can visit our website, classical-music.com, where you can read about all the latest music happenings, read thousands of reviews and a good deal more. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast and to our producer, Brittany Colley. 